In the beginning, there was no sound, only the void. And God said, let there be sound. Mr. Watson, come here. I want to see you. And the voice of man rang out, and voiceover was born. And God said, it is good. Talking voiceovers with Rick Sellers and Wes McCraw. The big podcast where we talk all things voiceover. And now, Rick Sellers and Wes McCraw. Hey, everybody out there in podcast land. I am Rick Sellers, and I'm here with Wes McCraw. Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. Nice to have you here listening with us. Yeah. Welcome to the second edition of the podcast, and you are listening to Talking Voiceovers. Number deuce. Yes, the number two. And on today's edition of the pod, we're going to talk specifically about creating audio for electronic toys, games, and animations. Um, this includes character voices, sound effects, and music. How many uh, How many toys have we done over the past 20 years? Well, we've been doing this since uh, like 98. I'm going to say upwards of 75 or so. That's like 20 years worth of toy stuff. That's a whole lot of toys. That's a lot of toys. Yeah. A lot of sounds, a lot of music. Um, anyhow, uh, what are some of the toy products that we've uh, done over, those, over that 20-year period? Man, let me think. We've done... Let's a see. lot of cool stuff. We've done some stuff for... Uh, a lot of stuff for Hasbro, mm-hmm. uh, Transformers properties. Uh, yeah, I know we did Bumblebee, mm-hmm. Optimus Prime, Autobots transform, Star Scream. Mm-hmm. That was Rick live, by the way. In case yeah. you thought that was the great uh, Peter Collin, that was actually Rick. Till uh, all are one. Megatron, we did. Yeah, uh, we also did some GI Joe properties. Yep. Uh, we did the character of GI Joe and uh, Duke. Duke and, uh, and Cobra Commander. Correct. Uh, Cobra. Star Wars, we did Obi Wan Kenobi and Jango Fett, yep, both yep. of which voiced by you. Yeah, and back then they didn't know what to, that Tomorrow Morrison was going to be doing the voice of Jango Fett, so I made him sound like Boba Fett from Empire Strikes Back. So nice. There you go. Well, you did it. Did it well, my friend. <laughs> Uh, also, Spider-Man, we did some stuff for. Oh, yeah, uh, the web slinging sounds. Like yeah, <laughs> they had a little toy, uh, did sound effects, and I did a couple of pieces of music. Oh, yeah, very uh, cool stuff. And speaking of music, we also uh, did a musical sit and spin. I think it was mus- musical, magical sit and spin. It probably had- Was it magical? I think it was. It had like 30 different pieces of music on it. I didn't remember the magical part, but <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, I think I did maybe five or six pieces of music for that, real short loops. Um which was nice to work on, fun to work on. We've also done a lot of dinosaur products. Oh, yes. Many, 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 many dinosaur which products. Which is always fun. They had a couple of things. Um, Dino Crashers. Yeah, and one called Stomp. and Chomp Grimlock. And then we did a softer thing for the preschool market called Coda and Pals, where we had baby dinosaur sounds. Yeah, so. little plush toys that moved and uh, yep. had a sound chip in there. And there was burping, eating, roaring, um, lots of different sounds for those that were kind of cute as opposed to some of the more boys action-y type stuff. Exactly. So, they're fun, fun to work on, though. I like the, the dinosaur sounds in particular because they're them. complex to make yeah. sounds for. You you know, add a lot of elements in there and put them all together and come up with something that uh, sounds like something that actually may have existed. 
Well, that's the trick is to make it sound real uh, unless you're doing the real cute stuff. So a lot of times we'll incorporate animal sounds, some human sounds. I'll go into the booth and create a roar and we'll add tiger growls or leopard growls or a bear breath, all kinds of fun stuff to really bring that sound of the dinosaur to life. So typically you're the contact guy. So why don't we talk a bit about how this whole process starts from the first uh, contact from a company looking for sounds to the time that we actually turn them in to be placed on a chip to go out to the world. Well, the very first thing is I'll generally get a call from the designer at a specific toy company, and we'll talk about whatever project that they are looking to get done. It could be a creature, an alien, a robot, a licensed character. So they'll send me uh, a PDF file via email with images of the toy, of the concept, and then I'll also generally get a script. We'll talk about it, revise it, uh, find out what sound effects or music that they might want to add to that product, and that's the beginning. And then we are given a task to finish this before it's called code release. That means that all the all the audio is sent up to China generally and is going to be burned onto a chip for product. And code release is typically a very hard deadline. In yeah. other words, we have to have it done, have to have it turned in, they have to have it sent over to uh, to China to uh, finish the process of uh, implanting the information uh, onto the chip yep. so that it can then go into the toy. Usually about a week, which is not a lot of time when you're crunching to try and get that much stuff done. Right. And they don't typically care if you don't have time to do it. It just has to be done. Yep. So, you know, it's a hard, it's a hard deadline, but uh, on the other hand, it's a fun project to work on and we love it. So whatever it takes, we make the customer happy. Hey, I like a challenge. Yeah. Bring it on. Absolutely. So why don't we talk a little bit about how some of these sounds are created? I know we've got some examples here. Maybe we can play some of these and then talk a bit about them, how they were made, what they were for, that sort of thing. All right. That sounds good to me. So the first thing I have queued up here is some dinosaur sounds that we made. Uh, You remember what that project was? Yep. It was for Stomp and Chomp Grimlock which was a Hasbro Transformer toy. Right, right, right. Okay. So I'm going to play some of these sounds, and then we'll talk a bit about how they were made and uh, go from there. And those were two examples of a Grimlock roar. And because Grimlock is a Dinobot, he is actually a machine. So you can hear a lot of mechanical elements in there as well as living animal sounds, and I think I'm in there too on there, roaring. And then we add the human sound, we add the animal sounds, and we add the mechanical elements in there to create that sound. Yeah, I know we added a couple of things in there that uh, we had both organic and non-organic sounds. I know we had our drawbridge to give it some of that Michael Bay-y type. Well, that was the assignment. We were really trying to go for the Transformers movie sound, so we were emulating all the sounds from the films. There's also bending metal in there to incorporate the uh, mechanical aspect of it, but it still had to be uh, a roar like a dinosaur. Mm -hmm. And there's Rusty Gate, which is taken from the Godzilla roar. If you hear Godzilla roar, the original 54, it has that sort of, Let's play it once more, and then we'll move on to the next sound. (laughs) 
All right. Pretty cool. It's always fun to go back and hear these when I haven't listened to them for a long time. And I'm like, oh, man, we did that. <laughs> well, let's hear some more stuff. Cool. Up next, I know we had uh, to make some dinosaur stomping sounds, and they sound like this. Very cool. And that sound, I believe, was created by using an explosion along with some sweetener. You hear a little bit of rocks and debris kind of falling. That's to create the sound of a dinosaur sort of running through the jungle or through the forest or the primeval world. Well, next up, let's hear some sound effects of weapons fire uh, for Transformers product, uh, Optimus Prime, Bumblebee, Megatron, often we have to create power-up sounds, transforming sounds, weapons fire, missile launchers, explosions. Here's an example of a plasma cannon from uh, Super Bumblebee. Yeah, these are fun. Fun to make. And there you can hear a ricochet that has been reversed as well as some electronic ascending and descending sounds. I know on this particular sound and some of the others we've made in the past for weapons, we also incorporated the old trick used in the day the earth stood still for Gort's visor beam, where they took a uh, six-shooter ricochet off rocks, and then they flipped it around backwards. So you get that ascending whine that uh, begins the laser fire. And at the end, you can hear an explosion, of course, which is the impact of the laser or the weapon hitting the target. And disintegrating it. Exactly. Let's talk a little bit about the music that you've written for some of the toy products we worked on. One of the cool ones we did was Helmet Heroes. These were a series of helmets that the kid could wear. They were all themed as either a race car driver or a fire truck guy or a police cruiser cop or a dispatcher. And they all had a piece of music as well as sound effects and character voices. And here you can hear the theme song that Wes wrote. There are multiple, multiple versions, and they're all really cool. These are fun to do, especially as a musician. Uh, on this, I play all the instruments, I compose the music, and then we hired a session singer to come in. And, multiple uh, guys. Yeah, a couple, and to be the voice for this particular piece. We are helmet heroes, That was a really cool piece. Um, We probably had about four different singers on each one, and there were maybe 10 different versions of that. I'm not sure ultimately which one they picked, but that's my favorite. Next, let's talk a little bit about voice matching for toy, where you have to sound like a particular character for a licensed product, whether that be a Transformers character or Donald Duck or Mickey Mouse or Buzz Lightyear. You've got to sound like that character. So let's chat about that for a bit. These are some examples of what Rick does so well, which is uh, mimic characters from movies and cartoons and whatnot. These are all from the Transformers universe. And upcoming, I think we have some, uh, you know which characters he did here? Starscream, Optimus Prime, and Bumblebee for this project. Perfect. Let's give it a listen. Decepticons, unite! By the power of the primes, Autobots, roll out! Time to bring the zoom and lower the boom. Nice. Rick Sellers, ladies and gentlemen. I call him the voice master general. All those voices are him. (laughs) Well, thank you. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the chips in electronic toys. All electronic toys that have lights, sounds, and phrases have an IC. What is an IC? Well, IC actually stands for integrated circuit. It's a set of electronic circuits on a small, flat piece of semiconductor, normally made of silicon. 
On this chip is recorded the sounds, uh, voiceovers, sound effects, all the sounds you hear coming from the toy. A lot of the electronic toys also utilize LEDs or RGB lights that synchronize with the audio on the chip. That's why when you go into a toy store, you press the play me button or try me button and you see lights and sound. That's all happening from the chip. Now, for more advanced electronic toys, the more expensive stuff that has more sophisticated movement and animation or has an AI, you're going to need a more powerful 32-bit processor to handle that. Um, And speaking of that, what is AI as it relates to toys? Usually when you hear someone talking about AI in a toy, they're really talking about uh, machine learning technology. A good example would be any toys that have uh, speech recognition, machine vision, or interactive capabilities in some way. So the machine learns from interacting with the child. Yeah, that's exactly right. I know that uh, Hasbro had a big toy, uh, Triceratops. Yeah, it's Play School uh, came out with Coda My Triceratops Ride-On animatronic. It was a life-size four-foot baby dinosaur. Not a cheap toy, but very cool. Yes, absolutely. I would have loved one when I was a kid, for sure. Me and you both. All right, let's talk about uh, how much time is available on the chip to record audio. Uh, technically, anywhere from 10 to 500 seconds in audio duration on a single chip. But in my experience, for whatever reason, uh, they're usually asking for around 26 seconds of total time. And about how long is a typical sound effect or a phrase that might be on, uh, on a chip or a toy? Well, they usually want them short. Uh, you know, we give them multiple takes of all anything they've asked for. But typically, individually, they're around two to five seconds in length, maybe. Mm-hmm. And how are the sounds arranged on the chip? Well, that really depends on what the electronic engineer needs. I know often uh, we're asked to do real short uh, clips of music, sound effects, and and voiceovers. Uh, At the time, it seems to make no sense. They're kind of random. But what happens is they arrange them on the chip so that they play back in an order that makes sense. Mm -hmm. You can take individual words, and then the programmers can make multiple phrases out of those individually recorded words. And I know that you looked this term up. It's a huge word. What's that called? It is called incantination. Nice. So if you hear that word, don't let it throw you. Exactly. So the engineer will decide what order they should be played back in and program the chip accordingly. And can most chips play both mono and stereo files? Well, the short answer is yes. Uh, but some toys do cater to a more high-fidelity or edutainment application. How's that for a word? That is a good word. Right. So some of those high-end toys do support stereo sound, but most toy applications use mono mode for sound. Okay, the next question is, uh, most talent, voice talent is not going to need to know this, but uh, just in the interest of the podcast, what is the frequency range on the IC chips? Well, I don't want to get too technical with, uh, you know, kilohertz and whatnot, but I will say that because the chips are small and so are the speakers and the toys, most sounds that are very low or very high in frequency, in other words, uh, high being a whisper or low being, you know, an earthquake rumble, you're just not going to hear that coming from the toy. It's not going to be reproduced by the speaker. So uh, typically I try to avoid when I'm creating sounds, just try to avoid those uh, those extremes on either end of the frequency spectrum. 
And in terms of file format that they're going to ask for, the electronic engineer is going to tell you in advance what they want you to send up. But Wes, tell them uh, what kind of file formats are able to be burned onto the chip. Yeah, for me, I usually ask them, and they usually are upfront with it, about what type of file format they're looking for when I give them uh, all the files for the project. Uh, some companies, though, use their own sort of proprietary file format. But most of them use standard audio file compression formats like MP3, MP4 waves, or uh, G711 type files. What do we normally send them? Well, I usually send them uh, 16-bit 44.1 mono wave files. That's usually what they ask for. A couple of times they've asked me for MP3s, but normally it's the it's the mono waves. Whoa! Well, let's talk <laughs> a, let's talk a little bit about music. You are a composer. And Wes has written music for many of the toy projects that we've worked on together. And so let's discuss, uh, you know, how do you go about that process? Are, are you, what do they tell you? How do you know what to do? Well, uh, usually there's conversation or emails back and forth about what they're looking for. I've had everything from very vague emails saying, hey, I want it to sound like this song to actually talking to someone on the phone and having them hum a very bad, unmelodic version of something that they're looking for. But all those things are helpful. Uh, it gives you a direction. Yeah, exactly. And typically, I just need a jumping off point. You know, once, uh, it usually helps if they say, we're looking for something, I'll just use an example. Uh, orchestral. You know, well, or- yeah, orchestral, or even more specific, you know, we need something that sounds like this Lady Gaga song, but it can't be that because we can't get sued. Right. And at that point, I will listen to the song, get a flavor for it, listen to the instrumentation, uh, listen to the general feel of it, and uh, and try to cop something that's that's close but different. Right, similar but different. Exactly. That's a, that's <laughs> a good catchphrase that we hear a lot. Similar but different. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'll do it like that, and then the, all these are sort of a work for hire. Um, I'd like to say that from all these toys that fly off the shelves, that I get paid every time, but really. Uh, it's a work for hire. It's a work for hire. I get paid fairly to do it. I'm happy to get the work. And then I, I create the song and the music, and then it's owned by the company that I turn it into. Yeah, in perpetuity. These are, as a general rule, if you're hired to do a voice or music or sound effects for toy product, it's almost always non-union. So you're not going to get rich, but it is fun, and it's also exciting. And when you walk into a toy store and hear yourself on that toy, it's pretty cool. Or if you hear your music playing, it's kind of neat. Yeah, I know we had uh, one of the Transformers toys where I had written... Um, oh, the original 1984 theme, you rewrote it. Yeah, well, uh, they wanted a... a it's kind me- of a crunchy metal. Yeah, like right? a metal version, like a heavy metal version of it, which is very fun. So I broke out the guitar, plugged in, threw some drums in there, and really created this sort of 80s metal sounding version of the classic uh, Transformers, Transformers theme. theme. Yeah, yeah. A lot of fun. I always enjoy doing those. The music's my favorite part. It's my I'm a musician first. It's your first love, McCraw. Exactly, Optimus. <laughs> well, let's uh let's circle back around for a minute. We've talked about music and some of the tech side of the chips and all that sort of thing. But let's get back to the human element, which is where Mr. Sellers comes in. Mm-hmm. A lot of the sound effects, uh, including the dinosaur stuff or aliens or robots. It's me at the microphone initially. So it's the raw human voice. I'll do my best dinosaur growl, roar, 
eating, burping sound. Give us one right now. Give us this an impromptu raw dinosaur sound. Okay, let's do some eating. So I'm going to get up on the mic, cup my hands, and kind of begin. Nice. I'm sure there's a lot of people not uh, listening to this that are really grossed out right now. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> that's how you come sounding. up. That's how you, you, it's almost like fully work in a film. We, a lot of times for eating stuff, I'll take celery or some other vegetable or fruit and I'll put it in my mouth and stick my face right up on the microphone and we'll, I'll chew or tear or rip. And then we'll take that and pitch it down Typically five semitones, eight semitones, something like that, to get it really deep and then put some verb on it as well. So it sounds like a large animal eating something. It's really quite effective. And uh, if you don't know it's a human, you would swear it was a stegosaurus munching on some prehistoric ferns. Yeah, it, it totally works when you hear it in context and you, you, you're looking at the toy or the animation and you hear these sounds. Um, it's totally believable. Once we get done with it and we're doing our little magic tricks and pitching things down and layering uh, maybe animal sounds on top of what Rick's done, you know, we'll have something like um, like what you just heard. And we may add in like a bear's gra- a breath or uh, mm-hmm. a cougar growl or something like that that's maybe manipulated and pitched up or down and layer those things together to create something that's not man nor beast. Yeah, it's a it's magic. Yeah. It's a magical thing. Well, I like to think it is. (laughs) A funny story. Um, I'm a dog lover, as I'm sure many of you are. And we had a job come through uh, where we were working on a series of um, children's audio books. It was for Caden Books, and we did The Adventures of Sammy the Dog. And your dog ended up being a sound effect in the entire series. Indeed, many times. So we're starting on this book, and the first page... There's a uh, a dog shaking his head. I'm thinking, man, I've got to get a sound effect to represent that. Uh, And and it's hard to tell a dog on cue, hey, puppy, shake shake your head. head. (laughs) So um, it was snowing outside. It's wintertime. I brought my poor dog down here, which is a really cool, uh, cutest can be French bulldog. Named Brando. Named Brando. So I bring him in. I put the mic in front of him. I took a little handful of snow, put it on his head, and sure enough, he flops his ears back and forth, <laughs> captured the sound perfectly, and it worked perfectly for the book. When you looked at the visuals in the book, you could see the little cartoon dog shaking his head. The sound effect is my little dog trying to get the snow off his head that his mean old dad had uh, thrown on there to get the sound effect. Well, we used uh, a lot of the dog sound effects. We had the Lily and... Leo. Leo. Yeah. We used him for running, grunting, and chasing Lily. He had, a, he had Lily. a lot of great sounds, including a really great snore that sounded totally human. If he was sleeping, he just sounded like a really old man. Yeah. But uh, so that's kind of a fun fact. It's if you have animals, I'm sure you're probably thinking that's cute. All right, so let's talk about where we create or get our sound effects from for product. Well. Uh, Usually, I like to create them myself. I mean, like everybody, we do uh, use online libraries at times, but I really enjoy going out in the field, taking some microphones with me, and uh, finding the sound effects out there, whether it be nature. I know we've uh, recorded a lot of vehicles, transportation-type vehicles, cars, trucks, motorcycles, uh, horns, 
all kinds of things. I've recorded everything from boat horns to Subaru horns. Um, and then we just save them. You know, I, I collect all these. I, I'll be out and uh, I'll have my stuff with me and hear something interesting and then record it, bring it home, chop it up, add it to the library. So yep. uh, over the years, I've, we've been doing that for, you know, 15 years or more. So we've got quite an extensive library already. Uh, typically when someone is asking for something, chances are I already have something in my library that's close. But um, And then we can manipulate it and make it exactly what they want. Yeah, exactly. I really enjoy you know, doing, the, as Rick mentioned, uh, Foley earlier. You know, actually going in and, and getting our hands in the, in the sand or chomping on broccoli or, or whatever it might take to create a sound. But uh, the making them yourself is the rewarding part, and it's fun. It's, it's fun to try to create those sounds. Plus, we get to go to races with motorcycles and cars and truck stuff and all kinds of cool things in the zoo and, you know, pretty much everything. Anywhere you can find a cool sound uh, is where we'll go to get it. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a neighbor down the street here who's into uh, stock car racing, has a really cool car. I heard him out one day in his yard working on the car, revving the thing up. I'm like, you know what? I need to record that sound. So uh, He was down. a bit perplexed, but it worked. Yeah, he looked at us like we were crazy when I walked up with the recorder. Hey, can I record your car? But uh, he, he obliged. He was happy to, yeah. I think, once he knew what it was about. We had something similar with a local policeman, and we needed the sound of a siren and the clicks and the beeps and the radio sounds. And I just approached him and, and said, hey, would you mind if we recorded some of this stuff? And the guy was like, all right, laddie, step in my car and yeah. record away. <laughs> Exactly. Most people are pretty happy to do it once they realize what you're doing and then it's nothing weird. Yeah. All right, guys, we're going to wrap it up. Thank you very much for listening to episode two, uh, all about creating audio for electronic toys, games, and animations. Yeah, a lot of fun. And we invite you to uh, join us for episode three next week of creating character voices for toy product as well as electronic games and animations. And at this time, we'd like to thank the technical experts that helped us with the information regarding the chips. Yeah, we had a couple of friends that I wanted to ask to make sure, you know, we've done this for years, but I wanted to make sure we had correct information before putting it out in the world. So I wanted to thank Ben Pang at Sonic's company in Hong Kong, China, for his expert advice regarding IC chips. Also, my friend uh, Dan Ladke at Step 2 Toys for also... Uh, uh, introducing me to Ben and uh, giving his invaluable input as well. All right, guys. Thank you again for listening. Uh, join us next week on the pod, talking voiceovers for episode three, creating character voices for toys, electronic games, and animation. Excellent. See you next time. See ya. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Talking Voiceovers with Rick Sellers and Wes McCraw. Find us on Facebook or on the web at primodemos.com. <laughs> <laughs>